The Florida Gators offensive line has gone from a massive question mark to now a strength. Once again, we're going to talk about how they did it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Thursday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Written work with Whole Nine Sports. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started also before we get into it just fair warning next week's recording schedule or release schedule is probably going to be a little wonky i'm going to try to keep it routine with how it's always been released since i took over but next week i'll be in mobile for the senior bowl so things get hectic things get crazy we might be taking a little bit of road trip which we'll talk about when we get to it if it happens but talking about the Florida Gators offensive line here because the offensive line for the Gators became a massive, massive question mark when you saw Michael Tarquin hit the portal and go to USC. Ethan White hit the portal for a long time. There was kind of no noise around him. And then he went to, to USC as well. Richard Garage is going to the NFL draft. Uh, Yusef Murabil went to Colorado, which again, he was more of like a, a depth, depth piece here. Um, but Colorado, he might get playing time. You've also got Osiris Torrance going to the NFL draft. Austin Barber is still here. He is, he played left tackle, right tackle. He's probably going to be playing left tackle this upcoming season. So Austin Barber is a Gator that's going to be playing left tackle with Kingsley Iguak and likely still at center. But You've got to replace both of your guard spots, which, by the way, an All-American and an All-SEC guard, not easy to replace. You've already replaced your left tackle with Richard Durage going and Austin Barber likely taking his spot. And then you have to replace Michael Tarquin at right tackle, which seemed like it was going to be a battle between Damian George and Cameron Waits. But then last week, Cameron Waits tore his Achilles, making offensive line once again, even thinner than it was beforehand. But of course, Damian George is here, uh, likely going to be your starting right tackle from Alabama. You've got your right guard is kind of up for grabs. It feels like if it's going to be an in-home talent, it's going to be Richie Leonard the fourth. If it's going to be an out-of-town talent, it's Keontae Goodwin, who just committed to the Florida Gators yesterday, and your left guard is likely Micah Miskua, the guard from Baylor, who PFF listed as the second-best pass-protecting guard in college football in 2022, behind only Osiris Torrens. But Keontae Goodwin is who we're going to focus on today because this offensive line, like I said, was so down bad, even... It was a week or two ago we had John Garcia here and him and I were talking about who the most important Florida Gators commit was at the time. This is still when Jaden Rashado was at the time still committed to the Florida Gators and it seemed like he was still coming to the Florida Gators. And this was 
is it Jaden Rashada because he's a quarterback? Is it uh, Kelby Collins because he's the highest rated player? Is it Roderick Kearney because you have such a horrible, horrible need on the offensive line? And we came down to it might be Roderick Kearney, but now you don't need Roderick Kearney to start. You might need him to play, but if you have a healthy offensive line, you might not need Roderick Kearney to start, which is huge for him to just get that year of development. I don't care how ready you think you are. If you're a high schooler and you're going into the SEC, you can use a year of help. You might be able to step in and play well, but you can always use that year of development. Keontae Goodwin, when he was in the 2022 recruiting class, was the number six offensive tackle in the country. Country. Number one player in the state of Indiana and the number 38 player in the country. Any position, every position, number 38 player. In 2022, he played mostly special teams for the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, my understanding, and, and this isn't something that like I've uh, heard from Keonta or anyone in the program, my understanding was that when Keonta Goodwin committed to Kentucky, a major selling point was playing time. A major selling point for that was Keontae Goodwin is going to step in and be able to play early on a Kentucky offensive line where Kentucky, even if they don't have the most NFL prospects come out of Kentucky, they always have solid offensive line groups. They tend to just work well as a group. They're really well coached. Now, 2021, Liam Cohen was the offensive coordinator at Kentucky. 2022, Rich Scangarella became the offensive coordinator at Kentucky because Liam Cohen meant to be the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams. 2023, Liam Cohen is once again the offensive coordinator of the Kentucky Wildcats. It could be that, like, Keontae Goodwin's reasoning for leaving could be playing time. It could be, hey, you know, I just didn't like Kentucky as much as I thought I would. It could be, I don't want to play for Liam Cohen. <laughs> I, I don't want to be here with Liam Cohen. Uh, it could be a lot of things. But my understanding at the time was that playing time was what was the most important thing to Keonta Goodwin when he committed to Kentucky. And he did not get that. I think he played five total snaps for offense and every other snap was special teams, which by the way is stupid because you burned his red shirt, making him be a blocker on extra point and field goal. That makes no sense. That is a stupid use of a red shirt. He is going to be a true sophomore when he is with the Florida Gators this year. But, and again, I don't know what the reasoning was for his leaving. I don't know what the reasoning was for him committing to Florida. Maybe it's playing time. Maybe it's scheme fit. Maybe it's despite what some former Gators offensive linemen say, Maybe it's having the offensive line staff that can develop you and get you to the NFL. Because here's the thing, whether or not you get along with this coaching staff, whether or not you like this coaching staff, the people on this coaching staff focused on the offensive line have done their jobs consistently. You might not like their style, but guess what? Rob Sale was one of the main guys that recruited Osiris Torrance to Louisiana and Rob Sale then Developed him for two years, left for a year, came back, and he won All-American. 
which is no knock on Osiris Torrance. I go Osiris Torrance put in a ton of work. But Rob Sale recruited Osiris Torrance. Rob Sale recruited and developed Robert Hunt and sent him to the NFL draft out of Louisiana, and he is a Miami Dolphin. Uh, Rob Sale recruited and developed, for the most part, Max Mitchell, who is a New York Jet. He was a draft pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Rob Sale went to the New York Giants for one year, uh, starting the offseason and then through the rest of the season, and he had Andrew Thomas go from horrible, horrible rookie to an elite-level offensive tackle in the NFL. I don't care what you want to say about this coaching staff for anybody that left this coaching that left this program. These offensive line coaches, whether or not you like them, will help you get to the NFL. So maybe that is what Keontae Goodwin felt like he was getting here. And if it was, then he is a smart young man because I'll tell you, they get you to the NFL. We're about to talk about the rest of the getting to the NFL Florida Gators. But first, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We at Lockdown are really, really excited about our new sports betting partner because it's the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. By the way, Ben Shelton, look, Florida Gator legend, tennis pro now. Ben Shelton, you lost on Tuesday night, but just know every single match before that, you made me money because for most of them, you were the underdog. So it's plus money. And I don't care about logic. I don't care about tennis. I don't care if it was a smart bet. I bet you to co- I bet you to win. And you did that consistently. So thank you very much. New customers can join, place a $5 bet and receive $150 in free bets, whether you win or lose, sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And right now, I wanted to talk a little bit about the NFL draft, which I know that some Gators fans like to focus on the, the current Gators, but it's bonkers to me what some of these NFL draft mock drafts are going on. And especially when you look at someone like, uh, I believe it was Mel Kuyper. Let me, let me pull that up and make sure. Yeah. Mel Kuyper jr. Who his mock draft had will Levis going fifth overall to the Seattle Seahawks. Here's the thing. One, I'm pretty sure the Seahawks have said they don't intend on taking a quarterback, which they could be lying. And that could be a smoke screen, but I'm pretty sure they've said Gino has shown us enough, which Gino has shown you enough. He has. But more, not weird, but something that stands out more to me as a Gators fan is Anthony Richardson is number nine on the list. Anthony Richardson was the number nine quarterback, or number nine overall pick in this Mel Kuyper mock draft. He was the fourth quarterback off the board behind CJ Stroud at two to the Texans, Bryce Young at four to the Colts, and Will Levis at five to the Seahawks. Anthony Richardson to the Panthers is what we saw. I don't hate it. I will say that. I, I, I don't hate it. I do hate Will Love is going fifth overall. That's one of the stupidest things that's ever come out of this man's mouth. And he said a lot of dumb things. But I don't hate Anthony Richardson going ninth overall. I know that there are a lot of Gators fans who feel very strongly about whether or not Anthony Richardson should have ever entered the NFL draft. And I understand that sentiment. 
I understand that as a Florida Gators fan and you watch every game that Anthony Richardson played in, you see every stupid miscue that happened, every simple mistake that shouldn't have happened, every pass that should have been completed but wasn't. And every time he should have taken off running and he didn't. And you look at him and you go, that's not an NFL quarterback. Here's the thing. First off, you're wrong. Just know that. You're looking at someone who I've said this since he was a backup and I got beheaded for it. I say it now and I get told that I'm being too nice about him. Anthony Richardson is one of the most physically gifted human beings on the planet. People his size don't move the way he moves, and if they do, they sure as hell can't throw the ball the way he does. So they end up playing tight end, receiver, edge rusher, linebacker, not quarterback. That's the thing that makes Anthony Richardson so enticing. He is a physical freak by every sense of the word. His size, his speed, his agility, his strength, everything about what he shows physically tells you this man can be a franchise quarterback. You look at Josh Allen. You can talk about Cam Newton. I don't think Cam Newton. I think Josh Allen. But you could talk about Cam. You could talk about Josh Allen. They are the exception to the rule, by the way. I want to make that clear. They are the exception, not the rule. Most players with that profile don't work out because it's so hard to put it all together. But if you're an NFL franchise and you can put it together, you take that risk. So the top, a top 10 pick, the number nine pick overall, not a bad decision, especially if you're the Carolina Panthers. It's kind of a really good fit for him because they don't even know who their head coach is going to be right now, by the way. But that means they don't have expect expectations to be good for the next two years, maybe three. You don't expect Anthony Richardson to be good for the next two years, maybe three. He's got a long way to go, but he can be phenomenal if he puts it together. We know that he is training with Denny Thompson still. That's been something that he's been doing for a long time now. He's training with Denny Thompson. He is trying to get better. The NFL is looking at Anthony Richardson, and I promise you, I promise you, they are looking at him as a franchise quarterback. You can say what you want as a Gator fan, but just know that when you're talking about him translating to the NFL, it's a completely different game. You got to stop thinking with your heart and think with your brain because Anthony Richardson is one of the few people on the planet that can do what he does, and that's what makes him so interesting and so enticing. You look at someone like Will Levis, and that's a guy that a lot of media folks and, and media evaluators and even NFL folks say he could be a friend. Him and Anthony Richardson are both very athletic, big-armed quarterbacks. The big difference is that we've seen Anthony Richardson start for one season. The tape sucked. It did. It was bad. There were some plays, but for the most part, the tape sucked. You can write that off to the supporting staff wasn't great, as in the supporting players around him weren't great. You could write that off as new head coach, had to get comfortable with it. I had two years in a different system. You could look at it as 
uh, anything really. First year starter doesn't even matter if it's a new head coach or if it's an assistant that you've been in for two years. This is your first year as a starter. It's new for you. It's a brand new ball game for you. You had jitters a lot. You had a lot of big games, a lot of big stages. It was rough. You can write that off for one year. If you come back in 2023 and you aren't significantly improved, if you're Anthony Richardson, then the discussion becomes maybe he's just not that good. But by going to the NFL draft, he avoided that discussion, which is why it was such a great move, where you look at someone like Will Levis, Gators fans. This isn't one of the things where you need to stop looking at it as a Gator fan, because here's the thing. I know, and you know, the Florida Gators defense in 2021 sucked. The Florida Florida Gators defense in 2022 sucked. We saw Will Will Levis play that game, Florida versus Kentucky. We saw Will Levis play that game twice, and in both games, he sucked. The 2021 and 2022 Florida Gators defenses were two of the worst defenses that I've seen in my 27 years of living. Two of the worst uh, Florida Gators defenses that I've seen in those 27 years. You can't tell me a guy who was as bad as Will Levis was in both of those games. You can combine his stat lines from the two games. Even average the completions and attempts and then put the yards, touchdowns, interceptions. You could put that into one game and that would be a bad game, let alone twice. They were horrible games for Will Levis. So don't try to tell me that Will Levis is better than Anthony Richardson. Don't try to tell me he's got a higher ceiling. Don't try to tell me they're the same player. Speaking of another player where I'm saying, don't try to tell me they're the same player. Don't try to tell me they're they're even very similar and comparable, whatever it might be. I have spoken to quite a few folks recently that are, we'll say, connected to NFL franchises, okay? And multiple times now, I heard people, because obviously people are going to talk to me about Gators, because that's what I am, that's what I do, but I've had multiple people tell me, you know, Ventrell Miller reminds me a lot of Nicobe Dean. They're very similar players. That's the comp they throw out there. Ventrell Miller to Georgia linebacker Nicobe Dean, who is, of course, now a Philadelphia Eagle. Here's the thing. No. We'll, we'll get that out of the way. No. Um, that's that's how we'll start with just straight up no. I don't. Is it the physical build that makes you want to make that comparison? Is it that... Ventron Miller's listed as six foot one. I buy five eleven or six feet tall. I don't think he's six foot one. But Ventron Miller's listed as six foot one. Nicobe Dean is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, five eleven, maybe five ten. Similar weights, build wise, they look pretty similar. They do. If you're just looking at the build, like like remove the face, remove the head, just look at their their shoulders, their triceps, their forearms their stockiness, and you look at their tree trunk legs, whatever it is you're looking at, you look at them and you could say, okay, they look similar. You watch their play style. Ventrell Miller is far more technically sound when it comes to engaging a blocker and deconstructing their block and disengaging and making the play through that offensive lineman. Nicobe Dean 
is an athlete. He was a better athlete, I think. I, I we'll see what Ventrell tests like if he tests at the combine, but we'll see what it looks like. But when I look at the two players, and here's the thing: Nakobe Dean wasn't raw by any stretch of the word, but he was a better athlete than he was technically sound when you compare him to Ventrell Miller. I think he was quicker. When you look at lateral agility and side to side, I think he's just straight line faster. And he's maybe a better, we'll say, gap shooter, where for Nicobe Dean, oftentimes it was if an O-lineman gets their hands on him, they're making the play. It's hard to get your hands on him because he's so quick and he's small. But if you get your hands on him, you're making a play on him. And he's probably not making a play on the back on the ball carrier, we'll say. Both Nicobe Dean and Ventra Miller are elite. As far as identifying what an offense is about to do and attacking that, we've seen plays of, uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was either the national championship game or the SEC championship when it was Georgia versus Alabama. And we saw Alabama, I believe it was the running back came in motion on a jet sweep or like a, just a jet motion, not a sweep because he didn't get handed the ball, but on a jet motion. And once they snapped the ball, they threw it to the same guy and the Kobe Dean blew up the play like instantly and that was kind of the play where that was like Jadavian Clowney demolishing that Michigan running back where it was like oh okay he's that guy that was like the play that made Nicobe Dean I don't know if Ventro Miller has that play like I, I don't know if he has a play that defines him I think with, with Ventro Miller you look at the body of work that he's gone through and the body of work that he's put on film consistently. And you look at him and you look at what Nicobe Dean did and you go, Ventrell's a, I'll say better football player right now. You could argue the NFL draft prospect. You can argue Nicobe Dean was younger as a draft prospect. You can argue Nicobe Dean was more athletic as a draft prospect. Therefore he's a better draft prospect. You could argue whatever you want. Fact of the matter, Ventrell Miller is a more technically sound linebacker. They are both elite when it comes to IQ and identifying. And this is another thing where I, I, I tweeted Ventrell's IQ is higher. Football IQ. I had someone message me. How is Ventrell's football IQ higher? Nicobe Dean would diagnose plays before they happen. That's true. And this is one of those things where maybe it's because I know what this Florida Gators defense is requiring of these linebackers and Ventrell Miller specifically. I don't think you can get a higher football IQ from a draft prospect at linebacker than you get from Ventrell Miller. I don't. Maybe Nicobe Dean's read, read and reactability is better, but I don't think IQ-wise you get more than anybody from what you get out of Ventrell. I think he's he's the top of the top. Also, let's talk about this because I think it matters because we talk about it with quarterbacks. We talk about, look at the weapons they have around them. Nicobe Dean had three first-round pick defensive linemen in front of him. So it's a bit easier than when you look at Ventrell's situation, whereas Nicobe Dean had three first-round picks in front of him. Ventrell, not so much, right? We'll say maybe Jervon Dexter. We'll say maybe Prince Leumon Mielin. That's kind of it, right? I think we all know Des Watson, as much as we love him, probably isn't going to be a first-round pick. Just nose tackles don't go that high. So Brenton Cox isn't going to be a first-round pick. I think we all know that one. So when you look at the level of difficulty that it took 
for players to be as good as they were, for Nicobe Dean to be as good as he was, and for Ventro Miller to be as good as he was, Ventro Miller had it significantly harder because for the first part, he was playing in one of the crappiest defensive schemes for a while. And then he took over to Patrick Tony, and it was an incredibly difficult defensive scheme that he had to try to pick up, and he made strides. And that's another thing where I think Jay Bateman, Florida Gators inside linebackers coach, doesn't get enough credit where Ventro Miller and Amari Bernie took significant strides in 2022 when Jay Bateman took over. Jay Bateman's resume for NFL linebackers isn't very long. It's not. But you're about to have two guys added to that list. I don't know when they'll get drafted. I would take Ventrell anywhere from, you know, 50 to 100. I think it'll be a top 100 pick. Amari Bernie, somewhere on day three. Very least, you're getting a special teamer that can play pass defense. But they're getting added to that resume. And Jay Bateman deserves credit the same way that we give, or at least I give, Rob Sale credit for this offensive line being as good as it was. The same way we give... Uh, Coach Sean Spencer credit for the defensive line when they had some players who stepped up like Prince Liam on me Allen, and it was like, okay, if you show you're willing to put in the work, you'll improve. Same way we give them credit and the same way we gave Kerry Colbert credit for Justin Shorter looks so much smoother than he ever looked before. Same way we give all those guys credit, you should give Jay Bateman the same credit because, hey, he deserves it at this point. It's as simple as that. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. For your second listen, check out Lockdown SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference in the best university, the University of Florida. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com, and I'll see you all tomorrow.